Hey, it's April from the Inside Story podcast. Are you following us on Instagram? Because our podcast now has its very own channel. You can go to Instagram and follow the Inside Story podcast. And there you will find sneak previews of special interviews and episodes that we are cooking up for you next. And shoot me a DM and say hello. I always love striking up conversations with our listeners and learning more about you. I can't wait to hook up with you over on IG. Once again, our handle there is the Inside Story Podcast. Also, you can sign up for our text alerts so that you never miss an episode. We'll send you a quick text on Wednesdays when our next episode is live. All you have to do is text the words Inside Story to 833 833- 228-9446. Once again, text the words inside story to 833-228-9446. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 friends. Hello, Light Beamers. Hello, listeners of the Inside Story podcast. I'm so happy you are here. It's April with you today. Who else would it be? I'm always here. And I have a really fun story to share with you. It's something that um, I've been thinking about as I have thought about this particular prompt, this particular story prompt around taking something that you love, right? Pick anything, pick anything that you love, and then tell the story about the day that you fell in love with that thing. Um, it's a really great way for you to tell stories. It's a great way for you to come up con- come up with content and For those of you that are running businesses, it would be a really great way for you to share a little bit of the story kind of behind the business, like what you love about your business or that thing that you do in your business and the day that you fell in love with that. So clearly my business is all about um, storytelling. Storytelling is at the foundation of everything that I do. And so I thought I would answer that question today. What was the, you know, the day that I fell in love with storytelling and what did that look and sound like? So I'm going to do that uh, because it's a really, really fun story to share. So that's what we're up to today. And that's what I encourage you to think about too, is letting this story prompt prompt you into telling a great story. So for me to tell you the story, I'm going to have to roll it back a few years back to when I was about a junior in high school. So yeah, we're going to go back about 30 years deep into my history. And while I could easily tell you a bajillion stories around how 
storytelling influenced me and how storytelling made an impact on me as a child and how I always loved great storytelling, I think that this particular story and this particular incident was really when it solidified for me and my mind that storytelling was actually something I wanted to go do for a living. And so when I was in, in, um, in high school and I was, like I said, I think I was a junior at the time in my English class, we had an assignment to, to go and do a report, a story, an interview on somebody in our community who was influential. <laughs> and at the time I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I was going to school in Dallas and at the time, there was a pizza place, a pizza place called Campisi's Pizza that was a very well-known establishment, very popular local restaurant that me and my family attended um, regularly because it was literally right down the street from where we lived and um, loved going there and visiting and getting really great pizza. And so I came home with this idea of this assignment and like, who am I going to interview? You know, I don't know, like who's influential. So naturally, you know, talking to my mom, asking her questions and I'm like, who could I interview that is influential in this, in this town? And I think there had been some, some news articles kind of floating and circulating during this time about this, this kind of underbelly story of the owner of Campisi's, his name was Joe Campisi, and kind of this urban legend, if you will, that I'm not real, really so sure was actually an urban legend. And I think there was some some truth to the matter to it, but this urban legend that that Campisi's, the pizza place, was really just a front for mob boss activity in Dallas. And so these stories have been circulating for a while, and yeah, I think during this time that I come home and ask my mom about, you know, who should I in, in, in interview that would be really interesting and could be, you know, influential in the city. It kind of came out that like, hey, why don't you interview Campisi, you know, because supposedly he's this big mob boss. And for whatever reason, I thought that was such a great idea. I thought, well, yeah, let's go get the story, right? So clearly my journalistic in instincts were coming out early. And I thought, man, that sounds like such a good challenge and how interesting that would be. And would I even be able to get him to tell me anything? Like, I'm sure he had had many interviews in the past from real life journalists who were working the beat at that time. Yet, for some reason, I thought I could go and get the interview and he'll tell me his story. So what's funny about this is that, number one, I, I thought that this was a good idea. And that number two, I actually followed through with it. And so I literally called up to Campisi's restaurant to the pizzeria. And I asked to speak to Mr. Campisi. And of course, I, there were some there were some paywalls to him, you know, there were some, some assistance that I had to get to before I could get to him. But eventually, through a couple of conversations and a couple of phone calls, I was able to get to him and let him know who I was and that I was a student at such and such school and that we had this assignment and I had picked him. Would he be interested in letting me come interview him? And he agreed. And we set a date and a time for me to come to do the interview. So here I go. Now, the other interesting part of the story is that the school that I attended was a private school. 
And it was an all-girls private school in Dallas, a quite prestigious school that's known around the country in the private school arena. You know, it's a, a wonderful place to go get an education. And um, and I think that the fact that I was coming from that school may have helped me a little bit get that interview because he knew of the school. I, it was Like I said, it's a pretty prominent school in Dallas. And so, but the other funny part of that is that as part of being a student at the school, we wore uniforms. And so we wore this green and white plaid skirts with button down white collared shirts and saddle Oxfords for shoes. Now, what's funny to me looking back on this moment in time when I go to Campisi's restaurant on the day that I'm scheduled to do my interview with Joe Campisi is that I didn't think to change clothes after school. Like I just got in my car and went to the restaurant to meet him and I'm still dressed in my preppy little uniform from school that looking back on it now is just so hysterical to me. But that was just the world that I lived in. I mean, I went to school, I put on these clothes and I didn't think anything of it. And since I was there on a school assignment, I'm sure at the time that I thought, yeah, I'll just wear my uniform. (laughs) But when I tell you the rest of the story, you will understand how ridiculous I must have looked going in in this crazy uniform, right? So when I get to the pizza restaurant, Campisi's Pizza, you know, I asked to speak to Joe that I had had this appointment and they sit me down and tell me to wait for a few minutes that he'll be right with me. I ended up sitting, I think I ended up waiting for maybe about 10 minutes before someone came back for me and said, Mr. Campisi's ready to see you now. And they led me around the corner to where his office was. Now, this is where it really gets good because it's when I walked into his office and really found myself walking into a scene that I was not expecting. I really thought I would just walk around the door and in his office I would go and there would be Mr. Campisi and I would just sit down with my little notebook and my pen and we would get straight away to the interview. Instead, when I walked into his office, what I found was Mr. Campisi sitting at his desk, back behind his desk, uh, with about five or six other men in the room, all standing up, kind of hovering around Mr. Campisi, Mr. Campisi and his desk. And these men, if I could give you a description of what it was like, I really would say I kind of felt like I was walking into one of those movies that kind of shows mob bosses. <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of the way they were dressed and the way they commanded the room. And you know, some of them had cigarettes hanging out of their mouths and some of them had, you know, jewelry on their hands and neck and just kind of like that, that vibe of like, you know, running these, these, these interesting businesses that, you know, who really knows, is it a mob, is it a mob business or not? And they're all kind of hovering around Mr. Campisi, who is sitting down behind his desk, but really furthermore, What is on his desk is what is so shocking to me. On his desk is mounds and piles and stacks of $100 bills. There's all this cash just laying out on his desk. And Mr. Campisi is back there kind of stacking it and grouping it and counting it and lumping it together, you know, with rubber bands and things like that. But how odd that all these other men were standing in the room kind of hovering over him while he was counting this money. There was something 
you know, that I picked up on in that moment that just intuitively told me, hmm, this is pretty interesting. What the heck's going on here? And so anyway, I walk in, I introduce myself and Mr. Campisi even kind of acted surprised, like he had kind of forgotten that he had agreed to this this interview. And I, I politely reminded him that I'm the one that had called and asked to have this time with him to do this interview so that I was doing this for my school assignment. And they began, Mr. Campisi began to kind of ask me some questions about the school that I went to and, you know, how prestigious it was and began to kind of poke a little fun at me, I want to say. And then he would, he said, you, I'm not the one you want to interview. You know, I'm not that interesting. I don't know why you want to interview me. And he points to one of the men in the room and he says, he's the one you want to interview. You know who that guy is? And of course, I don't know any of these men that are standing in the room. I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. And he's like, that is so-and-so, whatever his name was. Of course, I don't recall that from 30 years ago, but that is so-and-so. He's the owner of the Million Dollar Saloon. The Million Dollar Saloon back in the late 80s of Dallas, Texas, was quite the establishment, a well-known strip club right? So it was a prominent place. People knew about it. I, of course, knew about it. It was kind of like the ritzy place to go. If you're going to go to a strip joint, <laughs> you're going to go to that one because it's the nicest one in town. It's high dollar. It's supposedly high class. If you can, if you can call a strip joint high class, but that was the million dollar saloon in Dallas, Texas in the late eighties. And we're talking, this is probably around 1988, 1989, somewhere around in there. And of course, he's trying to throw me off my game, right? He's trying to see if, if I will be, become flustered, if I will get embarrassed. Um, here I am in this schoolgirl uniform, this private school uniform with my cute little plaid and my saddle for shoes. And he's trying to hook me up with a guy that owns a million dollar saloon. And I stood there and I stood my ground and I said, oh, no, no, Mr. Campisi, that's nice but I'm here to speak to you. You and I have an appointment. And after a few minutes, after it became clear that I was not going to be, th you know, thrown um, such a curveball that I couldn't handle it. I think that he was really just testing me in that moment to see what I would say, what I would do, if I would get embarrassed, if I would run away, like, I don't know, but I didn't. I stood my ground and I waited patiently for my turn to have my interview with Mr. Campisi. So after a few minutes, he shoes the boys away. He gets up and um, we go out back out into the restaurant. We go find a little spot that's um, a room that's not being used. And we go and sit down for the interview. And when we sit down, he looks across the table at me and he says, you've got 10 minutes, go. And man, that was it. Like, that's it. I had 10 minutes. I had 10 minutes to start my line of questioning. I had 10 minutes to figure out what I wanted to ask him to, you know, get as much of the story from him that I could. Now, obviously, this was my first time ever doing this, and I had never interviewed anybody in this way ever before in my life. And I'm sure I did not have the toughest questions. I'm sure that my interview was pretty fluffy. And I'm quite sure that, you know, I'm quite certain I did not ask the hard questions that really I wanted to ask. But of course, in that in that time frame, I definitely did not have the courage or the guts to ask the questions that 
have been circulating around, around his business being a front for mob boss activity? No, I did not go there. But I did spend the 10 minutes interviewing him, getting the story, finding out more about his career, finding out more about um, just his trajectory and how he got started in the business and what he's enjoyed about it, you know, kind of just uh, his take on his own success. And at the end of the day, when I went back and wrote my actual story, my story itself wasn't really about the interview that came out uh, or the story necessarily that came out of that interview. My story ended up being the story that I just told you. It ended up being this whole experience of walking in to this establishment that had rumored to be a, a front for mob boss activity, walking in and finding all those men, these grown businessmen that, you know, looked like a scene out of Scarface, quite honestly, and all of this cash on the counter on his desk, Mr. Campisi trying to throw me off my game by, you know, hooking me up potentially with uh, an interview with a guy that owns the million dollar saloon. I told all of that in my story. And I painted the picture of really what unfolded that day, because to me, that was the real story. That was the real story of what came out of that. Did I get some of Master Campisi's story? Sure, I got the parts that he was willing to tell me. And I got what, you know, the types of questions that I asked. I got the story based off the types of questions that I asked about his own success and about his own trajectory with his career. And that is something that in that moment, I will tell you, I felt such an adrenaline rush. There was such an adrenaline rush that went through me that day, just having this experience. And it really was the day that I can look back on now and tell you that was the day that I fell in love with this. That was the day that I said, this is amazing. You know, there are interesting people all around us. If we could just spend 10 minutes and ask them some questions, what might come out of that? And moreover, what might the experience be that goes along with the process of sitting down to talk to people? Because there's all kinds of things about I have learned to develop over the years um, as being a good storyteller and especially being a really good interviewer is really noticing what's going on around the interview as well as what's being said in the interview. So that's a really important note for you to think about when you think about stories is noticing what's going on around the story as well as what's happening in the story. Because those are two elements of the story that you want to bring together. You don't want to ignore one. And it was the environment of that day that really amplified and helped me tell a better story for my school paper and my project, which, by the way, went on to be the story that I submitted that got me into journalism school. That was what I put on my um, application to be um, in a journalism school of my choice when I went to college. That was the story I shared because I felt like that exemplified the type of storytelling and what I know what I knew to be about storytelling at that time in my life and the type of work that I wanted to do and the type of work that I wanted to explore by learning to become a really good journalist. 
But there's always a story around the story as well as the story that's being told inside the story. And so that's something to remember. And I I know that I, I gleaned that that day. And I gleaned that by putting that into the story that I ended up telling from that experience and from that interview. And, you know, when I look back on the 30 year career, 30, whatever, you know, close to 30 year career that I've had now, uh, really working in the world of storytelling and studying storytelling and studying people and doing this work is that at the end of the day, there is a story in every single one of us. And that if we will push ourselves to look for the challenges and look for the hard edges and put ourselves in situations that might make us come uncomfortable sometimes. That's where you're really going to find the good stories. That's where you're going to really, number one, learn something about yourself. And then number two, those are going to be the good stories that you get to go tell other people. Like that is really where the good storytelling is. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that that moment, that particular story, that day, um, dealing with mob bosses, the pizza place, and in wearing my my schoolgirl uniform from my private school, that that was the day that I fell in love with this work. And so I share this prompt with you today because these this is one way that we can continue to excavate layers of your story. It's really just asking yourself good questions, right? It's just kind of opening up crevices that you haven't thought about in a long time. I certainly haven't thought about that story in quite some time, even though it's one I recall fondly. It's not something I walk around thinking about every day. But when I thought about this prompt of, of finding something that you love and telling the story around the day that you fell in love with that thing, this was something that came back to me when I think about, well, what was the day that, what did it look like the day that I fell in love with storytelling? And it was like, it was that day interviewing Joe Campisi and getting the story and really just being surrounded around this idea of other mob bosses and wearing that private school uniform. I can picture it like it was yesterday. I can picture that office. I can picture that restaurant. I can picture exactly the booth that we sat at to do that interview. I can picture all of it. It is in my mind's eye as clear as a bell. And so these, these prompts, these good questions will pull stories out of you that you might not be expecting. But these are really great stories, number one, for you to pay attention to. And then number two, for you to think about sharing with other people. Because how could sharing a piece of that story that you, sharing a story around something that you love so much, be encouraging and inspiring to someone else. Because the thing of it is, is when we tap into telling a story around something that we love, that story is going to carry a lot of good energy because it's something you love. Um, and when you tell a story that has a lot of good energy and emotes a lot of really good positive feelings, then that story immediately becomes magnetic for other people. And they are drawn to you as a result. And so I love to teach people how to tell magnetic stories because this is what will be the difference maker for you in communicating and connecting with other people. And for some of you, that definitely can be very helpful if you're running a business, right? Telling the story about the day you fell in love with the work that you do will be really important for your audience to hear because making your message and making your stories be magnetic is what will draw more people to you. And so telling stories around things that you love is one way to do that because 
of the emotions and the good feelings and vibes that that story will produce in you. And other people can feel that. I hope that you can feel some of what I shared with you today, because to me, it's a really good story. Like I said, I can I can just see myself, you know, 17 years old, standing in that green and white plaid skirt and my Oxford shoes and my perfectly pressed white button down collared shirt, walking in to that dark pizzeria, going back into that room and meeting those men and seeing that situation and sitting down with Mr. Campisi and getting that story. I can see it like it was yesterday. And it, it conjures up so many fond memories because I know that when I look back on my life and my career, I really feel like that was a day something, you know, started for me. That was a day that it said, God, oh, I want to go do more of that. Like, how can I go do more of that? Because that was fun. You know, when I left that interview, I was on fire. I was like, that was incredible. I can't believe I just experienced that. I don't even know what that was that I experienced. I don't know what was happening inside that office. But man, was I curious, right? I don't know where all that cash came from. But man, was I curious about that. And I just left there feeling so energized by that that there was something in me that said to myself that day, I'm going to figure out how to do more of that. And that's what I've done. That's the breadcrumbs that I have followed in my career. I have chased good stories, right? And it has been the best experience of my life doing work that I absolutely love. And I hope in some way you all are chasing good stories also, that you're chasing that thing that makes you feel really good. You're chasing the thing that you love and that you're getting to do that work um, and that you're also telling the story about it. Let's see. That's it. That's a, a, a really simple story prompt that I wanted to share with you today and then doing so share a piece of, uh, of my story with you that I think is really fun to share. And I would love, 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 love to have you share a piece of your story with me. Like this is an open invitation. What is the story that you want to tell about the day you fell in love with whatever it was, whatever that thing is for you? So shoot it to me. I want to hear or read or see that story. And you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm at lightbeamers on Instagram. Shoot me a private message or you can email me. My email is april at lightbeamers.com. And so either one of those, I would love for you to just say, hey, April, I listened to the podcast and this is the story that came up for me. Like, I cannot wait to hear from you and hear what stories um, are conjured up in you by using this particular story prompt of sharing the story around the day that you fell in love with blank. All right, light beamers and listeners of the Inside Story podcast. That's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening to my story. And I will be back here again next week with another one for you. So tune in to the Inside Story podcast. If you are not yet, be sure you follow the directions to get on our list to be text, um, to receive our weekly text that we are sharing with you here so that you do not miss an episode or just make sure you're subscribed to the show. Give it a review. Um, shoot me a message. Any and all of those things are appreciated. And I will see you next time on the Inside Story podcast. Have a great one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. 
Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.